Our lesson today is from 1 Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank <clears throat> and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king of Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abu Mahala, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of our Lord. Thank you, Celeste. Great job on those names. I skipped those at Bible study this week because they were too hard to pronounce. So let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
When Ramona Quimby's teacher calls home one evening to tell about an incident that occurred in school, and her mother laughs while they're on the phone with each other, Ramona has had enough. Once her mother hangs up the phone, um, Ramona immediately explodes in anger. How dare her mother laugh with her teacher and at her? And how dare her teacher call home and tattle on her? I mean, that's the worst thing you can do in the second grade, isn't it? Everyone in Ramona's family has an opinion about what is going on, and Ramona tries to voice her concerns, but nobody listens until she declares this. That's it. I'm running away. The house gets silent, and Ramona walks down the hallway to her bedroom, anticipating her mother or father to come calling after her. Oh, don't leave, Ramona. We need you to Ramona. We're sorry, Ramona. But no one says anything, and no one follows. So before Ramona knows it, she's in her bedroom, and she has slowly taken out her suitcase and set it on her bed, and yet no mom, no dad, no one protesting. She starts to pack her suitcase, and suddenly there her mom is. And for a second, Ramona has some hope. Ah, mom is here. But her mother says this, I packed you a sandwich in case you get hungry while you're gone. Oh, Ramona is devastated. And every fear she's ever had just fills her little body. All these years when her sister has called her a pest, maybe she's really been that. All those times where she's made mistakes and thought she was a burden, this is indeed true. Her mom, who had said she loved her, obviously doesn't. Her mom actually starts to help her pack her suitcase. Don't forget your rain boots, Ramona. You know, you should really bring your roller skates in case you need to go somewhere quickly. And then her mother even says, and we should pack your baby teeth. At that, Ramona has had the last straw. Her baby teeth? Why in the world does someone running away need baby teeth? And why wouldn't her mother want those to remember her by? <sighs> Ramona knows now the truth. She doesn't belong in this family. No one understands her. And it is true, she will be better off out there where she might find someone who understands her. Her mom zips up the suitcase and sets it on the floor and says, well, good luck, Ramona. Ramona sighs and reaches down to pick up the suitcase and discovers it's too heavy. She can't even lift it. Now, this is the book, not the movie. She can't even lift it. It's so heavy, and so she looks at her mother who has a twinkle in her eye and a smile on her face, and she says, you did this on purpose. And Beverly Cleary writes, and hope swells in Ramona. And her mom says, yep, for what would I do without my Ramona? 
And her mom envelops her in a hug and they listen to each other. And Ramona knows this truth. That despite all her worries and her fears, that she is beloved. That she belongs in this family and she is wanted. And she gives thanks. When I was a kid, the stories of Ramona were my favorite. I loved Beverly Cleary's stories about this mischievous little girl who was so creative and yet so sensitive that everything she went through in life, she did it with gusto. Mo Ramona has big life and enthusiasm, and she cares deeply about what her family thinks about her about what her peers in schools think about her, about what her teacher thinks. And despite her very best effort to do the right thing, day after day, week after week, Ramona always messes up. I mean, the kid even cracks a non-hard-boiled egg on her head. And she has to go through the whole day like that. And as a kid myself, I could hear and understand Ramona's internal dialogue. The fear she had when she looked at other people of not being wanted and accepted and trying so hard to do the right thing and never feeling like she measured up. Do you ever feel like that? Do you remember what that felt like as a little kid or a young person or do you ever have those days where you are working hard and yet everything goes poorly and you get done and you think oh come on and you allow those voices of doubt and insecurity to fill your head and name to you those lies that you're not good enough that the world would be better without you, that it's just not worth it anymore. I mean, I think if we're honest, we all feel that way at some point in time, and some days more than others. When Elijah is threatened by Jezebel, and she says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah, if you don't, if I, if, no matter what, actually, and if I don't kill you, I'll, I'll be killed myself. Elijah has had it. Elijah decides to head to the hills to pack his little suitcase and go and run away from this burden in his life. He is done. And unlike Ramona's mother who stopped him, Elijah actually goes. He gets on his journey and he hangs up whatever is going on where he is and he moves from the northern kingdom to the southern kingdom and way beyond According to the text, he goes to Mount Sinai for, in 40 days, which you might remember the Israelites did in 40 years. So one must think Elijah either had a better map or something else is going on. Anyhow, but Elijah has had it up to here. He has figured out and decided that even though he has tried his best to follow God and been successful in some things, that just more and more it seems to him that the world is against him. Maybe even God is against him. But he's got to get out of this situation. And he allows those voices of doubt to fill his head 
And so when he finally arrives at this solitary broom tree, he lies down under it and says to God, it is enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah is defeated, and he doesn't want to go on. And it looks to him as if he is all alone. In some ways, I imagine that Elijah is waiting for God to come and argue with him. Elijah, no, we need you. You've been the best prophet ever. Come back, come back. But that doesn't happen. And Elijah becomes convinced that he's got to go and find God. And he fails to recognize that God's been showing up all along the way. That God has packed him a sandwich for his journey, or a pancake, And that God gives him food to sustain him on his 40-day journey in the wilderness. Moment after moment, God has shown up, not arguing with Elijah, but instead accompanying him. Saying, you know what, I'm with you, no matter what. And it can be hard to hear when we allow those voices of doubt and insecurity to be the ones that win in our heads. Elijah is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he, kind of like Ramona, expressed their true human feelings. He lays it all out there, is overdramatic. He is successful one moment, and then when things get hard, he is the first to throw up his hands and say, oh, come on already. He's so human in that respect, kind of passionate like myself. I appreciate that. But what I know is this, is that while Elijah is considered to be a pivotal person of faith, a leader for people in faith, and perhaps really easily seen as a saint and a man of God, that he too is fallible. He too makes mistakes. He too gets overwhelmed by life. He too listens to those voices of fear and insecurity and has doubts. Today we are celebrating All Saints. And on All Saints Sunday, one of the things we remember is this, is that each and every one of us is a saint, which can be a hard thing to actually acknowledge. I had a person say to me last night, or not last night, last week, you know I'm not a saint. I said, actually, you are. We're all saints. But sometimes it is so easy to become overwhelmed by everything else. It's easy to pay attention to the good that we do and to tally them up or the bad that we do and tally that up and think, oh, we're not worthy of anything. We are defined by our mistakes or we're defined by those good things we do. But God tells us a different story. God's story to us is that each and every one of us is beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And every one of us is imperfect and fallible, and we will make mistakes. But as a saint of God, none of that matters. God says no matter what you're seeing on any given day, here's the truth. You are beloved. You are forgiven. You are an essential part of my family. 
So I want you to keep going. Here's a little food for your journey. Here's a little word to remind you of how important you are. You're not alone in this journey of life, but you're called together with all the other saints to keep going in my name. In just a moment, you're going to be invited to come down through the center aisle and light candles in memory of a saint who has gone before you, someone who you love and are remembering today. And I hope you will take the opportunity to tell their story to someone you love, how they've touched you, what they meant to you. But all of those people we're remembering are not perfect, just like us. They are people completely loved by God, who had good days and bad ones, days they wanted to run to the hills or run away, and days where they felt pretty good about things. But regardless, they belong to God. And I hope that you will think a little bit about your own identity as a saint, about those days you believe that voice in your head that names all those things you did wrong, and instead listen to the voice of God that comes to us through Christ Jesus, that says you are forgiven, you are loved, you are worthy of being part of my family, and so go. Go out in my name and share that love, share that forgiveness to all the other beloved saints. Amen.